And this is our, our, our third message of the year, but it's my first message of the year. And I wanted to start us off before we jump into a, another sermon series starting next week. Uh, I wanted us to have a, what I would de- describe as a New Year focus message. Amen. Uh, something the Lord laid on my heart. So many months ago, uh, through, through our time in men's Bible study, and I had something in my phone that said, unpreached message. And I was, uh, praying about what he wanted me to preach on and talk about, and this is what it is. And so let's read these words as they are recorded in Esther 5, 9 through 14. Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor short, showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home, calling together his friends and Zeresh, his wife. Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him and how he had elevated him above the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman added. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. And she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew, Mordecai, sitting at the king's gate. His wife, Zeresh, and all his friends said to him, have a pole set up reaching to a height of 50 cubics, and asked the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go with the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. This suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the pole set up. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word for the edification of our souls. Amen. I want you to turn to somebody and say the pursuit of happiness. Turn to somebody else and say, the pursuit of happiness. Amen. You may have your seats. The pursuit of happiness. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are probably some of the most famous or most popular or most known words, particularly in this country, but maybe even in other countries, the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. It doesn't just stop there, and I just want to read a little bit further. It says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Amen. Amen? No, not amen. We have gotten it wrong and twisted from the start. 
But when you put it in the document where you are outlining all of the reasons you're getting ready to overthrow the British government and you're declaring your independence, one of the three things they says is fundamentally we have to be about the businesses. It's about life. It's about liberty. And it is about the pursuit of happiness. And we should be able to have revolution and abolish and eradicate any government that is going to deny us one of those rights and anything that it seems most likely that's going to affect our safety and our happiness. But the question is with all declarations, particularly declarations of independence. But any declaration, anything that you hear, it has to be washed through and it has to be looked through the lens of Scripture. Amen. So the question is, it's not what did Thomas Jefferson and the founding fathers declare, but what did Thomas Jefferson and the founding fathers declare that God is willing to support and stand behind? Amen. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today, this pursuit of happiness. Because if you want to talk about being endowed by the creator with a right to life, yes, yes to life. The Bible would say what? Yes to life. Deuteronomy 30 and 19 says it this way. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you. This is Moses talking to the children of Israel. That I have set before you what? Life and Death, blessings, come on somebody, help me. Blessings and curses. Now choose what? Life. So that you and your children may live. He says, I've set before you a choice. And the choice, and again, I've told you many times, God is pro-choice. He wants you to choose life. So the Bible is is about life. The Bible is a supporter of life. And to say that you have an unalienable right to life, God would say, yeah, Ezekiel 33 and 11 says, say to them, say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure, come on somebody, in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? He says, I'm not interested in you dying. I'm not interested I'm not interested in you having death. I'm interested in you having life. Matter of fact, in John 10 and 10, Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Yes to life. Yes to liberty. Galatians 5 and 1 says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And so Galatians, the apostle Paul is saying, listen, I want you to stand free in the liberty that you have. You've been freed from sin. Don't be in bondage to it again. And in verse 13 of Galatians 5, he says, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not that liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but to love and serve one another. He said, now that you're free, I want you to serve and love. I want you, actually, he says in Romans, again, now that you're free from sin. I want you to become what? A slave to righteousness. Amen. You've been a slave to sin. Now that you have liberty, enslave yourself, if you will, to righteousness. And then in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, now the Lord is the spirit. Amen. Is that spirit? And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We two for two, y'all. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No. No. The Bible is not interested and God doesn't appear to be interested in your happiness.
not over some other things that we'll get to. Amen. But the pursuit of happiness, as our brother Tim has already told us, happiness comes from happenings. Amen. Again, let me say that happiness comes from happenings. And if you are not in right relationship with God, when you experience happenings that make you happy, you are likely to face three problems. Amen? You're likely to face three problems. Get ready. This is what I want to tell you. Happiness is what? It's based upon happenings. If something goes right in your life, then you're happy about it. If something goes wrong in your life, you're not happy about it. And if you're not in right relationship with God, when you experience those things that literally make you happy, you are likely to face a few problems. And it's nothing wrong fundamentally with being happy. When I say God's not interested in your happiness, I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to be happy, but, but, but he does not want you to pursue being happy because when you try to find a way to get to your happy place, you mess up. Amen. And so let's talk about the three problems that you'll face when you, when, when, when you try to pursue happiness because again you got to think about a pursuit is something that you're going after it's a goal it's something that i want to say is almost off in the distance that you're striving for amen again you think about how we're supposed to 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 keep in focus uh jesus christ it's like when we have this great cloud of witnesses looking unto who jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him uh, 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 despised the cross and is shame and is set down on the right hand of God. And so in that, then that uh, verse in Hebrews 12 is saying, look, Jesus is your focus. He's off in the future. I need you to run the race that you need to run and look to Jesus. And so again, if you want to pursue something and if you say happiness is my pursuit, everything that you do, you organize your life around is to get to your happy place. And if you do that, One of the problems you'll have is your perspective may be flawed. Your perspective may be flawed because you may not process happiness properly. Amen. Let's look at Esther chapter five. And if we have more time, we can really peel apart Haman and Mordecai and Esther. It's one of the beautiful passages of scripture when we see what God did on behalf of his His chosen people, the Jews, and stopping the annihilation that was going to happen to them at, at the hands of uh, Xerxes and at, specifically at the hand of, of Haman. But so Esther found out that that Haman was going to destroy the Jews, and he was mad because... Mordecai and and Esther chapter three, the the king it said all the royal officials and the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. I believe Mordecai came up with this. He's the first person that came up with this face. And so when he would see Haman and Haman would see him like. And so he wasn't feeling Haman. And it was because he was, the scripture says it was because he was a Jew, but he was not paying him the respect that he was supposed to get because he was one of the king's chief officials. And that sent Haman off. Okay? And so he devised a whole plan to destroy the Jews. And and Mordecai 
asked Esther to help. And that's when you get that beautiful passage of scripture in Esther, verse uh, 15 of chapter 4. that says, And Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink three days or three nights, and I and my maids will do the same. Uh, when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so she did what she needed to do and she set up, said, I want to have a, I want to have a banquet and I want you, I want to invite you and I want you to invite Haman. And so the king and Haman went to this back banquet in verse five that Esther had prepared and they were drinking wine. The king asked Esther again, now what is your petition? It will be given you even if it's up to half the kingdom. And she said, do me a favor. Let me not tell you right now. I'm going to prepare another banquet for you tomorrow. Then I will answer the king's question. And so after having the banquet with just the king and the queen and himself, the scripture says in verse 9 that Haman went out that day happy. And in high spirits, he was happy and he was in high spirits. And so the problem, though, is you see him being happy, you see him being in high spirits, but when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he needed the rose of short fear, he was filled with rage. Nevertheless, the scripture says in verse 10, Haman restrained, restrained himself and went home. Here it is, calling together his friends and Zeresh, his wife. Verse 11 says, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him. And he said, and that's not all. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. So again, your perspective may be flawed if you don't have the right relationship with God when you experience things that make you happy. Because then you become vulnerable to boasting, you're vulnerable to pride, and you're vulnerable to glory stealing. Amen? And you start to take upon yourself and you start to think more about yourself than you should. Amen. You start to think this is all because of me. This is exactly what that, that God warns the children of Israel about in Deuteronomy 8 when he says, I want to make sure that when you get the, when you get into the land and you get the, and you get the gardens and you get the, the vineyards and you get all, and you get the fruits and the vegetables and everything that I'm giving you, you might have a tendency to say it is by my might and the power power of my hand that I got these things. And God said, please don't get it twisted and start defrauding me of my glory. But, but when you don't have a relationship with God and you can get to a place where you're happy because you've accomplished something and it's great and, and you got a new promotion on your job and, 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 and your, your, your book sale has, has taken off or, or your career is, is going well and you're, you're starting to get, you're starting to get callbacks or you're starting to do this or that and the sales are rolling in and you start to believe that when you're happy it's because of you. It makes you vulnerable to tell everybody else, have you seen my latest press clippings? Have you seen that I'm the salesperson of the month? Did you see I just started a new business? My stuff is on fleet. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. You didn't know? You didn't know? Oh, it's all about me. And as a matter of fact, I was just at a banquet with Queen King Xerxes and Queen and Queen Esther, and nobody else was there but me. That's how tight my stuff is right now. And he was he was floating on air. Matter of fact, this is probably the theme song that was playing 
when Haman was walking around. That's what you want to do. It was fine. He's doing it. He came out of that banquet like this. And then he looked up and he saw Mordecai. And the scripture says, when he saw that Mordecai neither rose or showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage for Mordecai. The music stopped. Pharrell stopped singing. The video stopped playing. He couldn't coordinate any of his steps anymore. He was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, but I'm, but, but I'm supposed to be happy. But I see Mordecai and Mordecai has given me the look that we all give that I believe he came up with, which is this. That's the look that Mordecai gave to Haman's dance. And that becomes the second problem that you and I will have with pursuing happiness not only will your perspective be flawed because you'll be vulnerable to boasting vulnerable to pride vulnerable to glory stealing you have to understand your position in happiness can be fleeting it's fleeting it's like being on a roller coaster because happy one minute and sad the next. It's like a up and down. It's like going up and down, on, like I said, on a roller coaster. Here he was. You would think that if you're happy, then just be happy. But one look for Mordecai. One look, and all of a sudden he's filled with what? Rage. One thing happens, and then his family calls him together, and he says all of those things about, I mean, he comes and calls his family together, and he's all excited. Even he said he, he restrained himself. He went home. He got back into his happy place. He said, and that's not all. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited, and she has invited me to go along with them tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction. As long as I see that Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate in a, in a time where if you think if you have the right relationship and everything's good, you should be able to get to your happy place. But Mordecai got him out of the happy, his happy place. There's somebody that's in your life. You may not even know them well, but when you see them and you interact with them, they can suck the happiness right out of the marrow in your bones by a look. From a distance. They can suck it off from Facebook, from Twitter, from Instagram. They can, they can suck it from you at your job, they can, in your presence. But if you hear something, about, they don't even have to be close to you. But you probably are thinking of a person that says that is the, that person will, will steal the happiness from me any, anytime I feel good. I got some good news and I want to share that good news. And it's legitimate good news about something even that God did for me. But when they hear that news, they got something to say.
it's a little different. And you'd be out of your happy place. Just that quickly. Because you want, you have to understand, you may eat, be easily moved from your happy place because happiness is transitory. Too many things have to go right for you to be happy. And if one thing is out of whack or upsetting, it'll wreck your happiness. I don't know how many times that Kim and I have plans you know, plans like I'll call them romantic plans. And she's not even home yet. And it's like, we're going to go out to dinner and we're going to do this. And that is all going to be a great evening. But somehow between when she leaves work and she comes home, depending on who she has talked to, if she walks into the, the house, I know the happiness is gone and the plans have gone with them. It's like, who did you, who did you talk to? Who was it? Was it Kristen? Was it Courtney? Was it Kendall? Was it, was it Kyle? Who, who stole your happiness? So now, now we can't go to dinner. We, we can't do anything. We, we, we were supposed to go out. I don't feel like doing nothing but going to bed. I wish I could just take her phone and just lock it up. Yeah, just take it because that, that, that news is coming constantly. You know what? That's, that's the problem too with our young people because they can't even get a decent night's sleep when they're in school because stuff that's at school doesn't stay at school because it's social media all the time and their mood can be affected by somebody's post at 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. They're supposed to be studying for some exam where back in our day we would never know about that issue, that problem, that challenge till we got our work done or something happened. But they're on and they're connected to it all the time. Their mood can be affected. You look up, your kid goes into the room, they're fine, they come out. And you have to ask the question, what the heck happened? Because happiness, beloved, is fleeting. And when you think about it, you still want more. You you want it all. All the time. It reminds me even of Jonah with the plant that, that God raised up for him in Jonah chapter 4. And, and this is Jonah talking to God about being mad about God saving Nineveh. And he says, now, Lord, take away my life. It's better for me to live than to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah, that seems a little extreme. Jonah had gone out, sat down on a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen. The Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed and Jonah's head that he grew faint. He wanted to die. He said, it would be better for me to die than to live. You didn't have a plant two days ago. You got a plant yesterday and then the plant went away. And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah said it is. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Oh, it's right. That's slap zone. Everybody knows that. You know that's inappropriate. You got to throw the flag there. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. But Jonah said it is right because I was happy and now I'm not happy. But you have to understand that happiness 
is fleeting and it, you're easily moved by your, from your happy place. And there's certain people that can push your buttons, certain situations, certain circumstances. And, and the problem is if you are always thinking about and pursuing your happy place, then you're going to come with this third problem. And this third issue is your plans will be faulty. Amen. Your perspective may be flawed. Your position can be fleeting and your plans will be faulty. What do I mean by that? You will make bad decisions in your life to get back to your happy place. You'll be vulnerable to bad advice because you're pursuing the wrong thing. And when you focus on whether you are happy or not, you begin to manipulate circumstances so that you can get to your happy place. And often those actions are not pleasing to God and do not honor him. That's the really big problem. If your pursuit is happiness and you don't understand that you're vulnerable if you're in the wrong relationship with God and you don't understand what's going on, if you don't understand that as soon as you get into your happy place, the likelihood is great that you'll get out of your happy place. You will do just about anything to manipulate circumstances to get back to your happy place. And those decisions that you make are not God honoring. His wife and all of his friends said to him, have a gallows built 75 feet high and ask the king in the morning to hang Mordecai on it. Then go to the dinner and be happy. This suggestion delighted him and he had the gallows built. That is the, that is the craziest, dumbest thing I've ever heard. Nobody said to him, don't let him, don't let him steal your happiness, boo. Don't let him get you like that. Don't let him, don't let the haters, let the haters say, somebody could have said that. They sat around after they had been drinking and hanging out and said, build uh, uh, gallows 75 feet high and then when you're at the dinner just ask the king to kill him what's the problem and, and, he, and he he shrugged and then they shrugged and he shrugged and said that's a great idea because then I'll be what I'll be happy because then I won't have to look at Mordecai the Jew I won't have to look him in the face anymore see that's the same kind of twisted logic you have with King Ahab when he sees Naboth's vineyard in First Kings chapter 21 you remember that story. There was an incident where the king saw that this vineyard and he Ahab came to Naboth and he said, let me use your, your vineyard. I'll, I'll pay you whatever it's worth. Naboth refused. And so in verse four, the scripture says Ahab went home sullen and angry because Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said, I will not sell my vineyard to you. And his wife Jezebel came in and said, why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? Why aren't you happy? You're the king. Because I said to neighbor, the Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard. Or if you prefer, I will give you another. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. And she said, is this how you act? As the king over Israel? Get up and eat. Cheer up, baby. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. And the next thing you know, they have killed (laughs) Naboth. 
and sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And in verse 15, as soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth for, uh, that he refused to sell. You, he, he is no longer alive but dead. And when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. And then that music by Pharrell and Happy played all over again. And he went skipping down to the vineyard, of course, until Elijah showed up. (laughs) But we don't need to get into that. All I want you to know is that you make poor decisions and you listen to bad advice sounds good to you when you're not in your happy place. People come up with ideas that don't make any sense. And you listen to them like they make perfect sense because you're trying to manipulate your circumstances to get back to being happy. And so that wrong focus, beloved, will yield the wrong efforts and ultimately the wrong results. So if we were to change the declaration of independence, if we were to change what that pursuit would be, if it would be about life and liberty, it wouldn't be life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It would be life, liberty, and the pursuit of intimacy with God. It's the pursuit of intimacy that it would be with the pursuit of intimacy through a relationship with God. Why? Because a pursuit of of intimacy in a relationship with God will result in joy, not happiness, which God is much more interested in than happiness. The Bible mentions happy 25 times in the King James and only 20 times in the NIV. I'm just, I'm just looking at scale here. The Bible mentions the word happier. The, 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 the translators translate those Hebrew and Greek words into happy 25 times in the King James, only 20 times in the NIV versus you will find 187 references in the King James for joy and 238 references for, for joy in the NIV. That's seven to 10 times more times that God talks about joy that he talks about happiness hashtag I'm just saying and so it doesn't seem like God is as interested in instructing us around and talking about or focusing on happiness why because happiness is tied to happenings and and if you get to your happy place and, and, and you're trying to strive for that you will find what that your perspective may be flawed your position will be fleeting and your plans will be faulty trying to get back to your happy place so it's not the pursuit of happiness, but the pursuit of intimacy with God that we need to be concerned about. Psalms 27 and 8, our sister Kamaka just reminded us about this last week. When thou says, seek my face, Lord, my response is thy face, Lord. Well, I seek. I'll seek your face. Everybody His hand is where his provision is, but his face, that's where his pleasure is. That's where you have relationship. That's where the intimacy is. He says, raise your view. Stop looking at my hand. I want you to seek my face. I want to be in relationship with you. And if you seek my face, you'll get my hand. 
so that's why David is a man after God's own heart because he says, you said seek my face and he declares my face, Lord. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Acts 27, I mean, Acts 17, 27 and 28, the apostle uh, Peter in, 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 that, in that speech in Athens says, God did this so that you would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. He says, I know you got a, you, you, you got a, 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 a monument raised to the, the unknown God. Let me tell you who that unknown God is. And his desire more than anything else is that you would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him. And he declares, even though he's not far from any of us, God is not playing hide and seek. God is playing seek and find. And he's not playing. It's not about hide and seek. God's not hiding from you. God says, seek me and find me. That's why it says in, in, in Deuteronomy 4 and 29, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. That's what Jeremiah 29 and 13 says. You will seek me and find me when you what? Search for me. With all of your heart. And Second Chronicles says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I forgive sins. Then will I hear, heal their land. If you seek me and you seek my face and turn. And so God says, don't pursue happiness. Pursue me. Pursue a relationship with me. Pursue intimacy with me. And if you pursue intimacy with God, that will lead to joy, which is what God is much more interested in. And even happiness is truly derived from fearing the Lord and walking in his ways. Because Psalms 128, 1 and 2 says this, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. If you really actually, quietly want to get to a happy place, the scripture says, I even have some advice for you around that. If you're going to pursue the wrong thing, at least do it for the right reason. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord and walking in his way. That's the only way, really, to be happy. That's how you can stay in the happy place. And so, again, it's not about happiness. It's about joy. So I just want to tell you three things about joy. I told you three problems with happiness. Let me show you three things about joy to get you excited about the fact that intimacy with God is the pursuit. It's life. It is liberty, but it is the pursuit of intimacy. It's not the pursuit of happiness. Because that pursuit will lead to joy. And here's three things about joy. Joy is derived from God. You can't get joy apart from God. It's derived from God. That's why Psalms 5 and 11 says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also love thy name and be joyful in thee. You you will find joy because the joy comes from putting your trust in God. Romans 14 and 7 says, The kingdom of heaven is not about, uh, about uh, eating and drinking. It's not about meat and drink, but it's about what? Righteousness and peace and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. John 15 and 11, so beautiful, the passage that we know where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do what? Nothing. And that's why it says, and he goes on to say in John 15 and 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be 
What? It might be full. I want you to have full joy. And if you abide in God and you abide in Jesus Christ and you abide in the vine, that's the only way you can have abounding joy. That's one of the benefits of abiding. Amen. And we've broken down that passage before. We won't do it here. But that's one of the benefits of abiding in Jesus Christ. You get to have abounding joy. He says, that's what I'm doing. It's these things I've spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. Well, how will it remain in you? Because you remain in the vine. My joy will remain when you remain. You stick with me, I'll stick with you, and I will give you abounding joy. Your joy will be full. You'll have full joy. So it's derived from God. And as we've already been kind of previewed to understand, but I want to say it here directly, not only is joy derived from God, it is literally detached from circumstances. Joy and circumstances don't have anything to do with each other. Joy is joy because joy is based upon relationship, which is un, it's, it, it's uninterrupted. And if we abide in him, we get abounding joy. Amen. And so it doesn't matter what's happening in your circumstances. You can still have joy. That's why Second Corinthians 6 and 10, the Apostle Paul can say, I'm sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Then he goes on in, in chapter 7 and verse 4 says, I have spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all my all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. He said, I've been shipwrecked. I've done this and all of this has happened to me, but none of the circumstances that are, that are adverse in my life have anything to do with my joy. My joy remains. My joy is full. My joy abounds because I am in Christ. That's all that. Sorrowful yet rejoicing. How does that even make any sense? It only makes sense because you abide in the vine and you get your joy derived from God. It's detached from circumstances and it's developed through faith. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Romans 15 and 13 says. Philippians 1.25 says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. You want to develop your joy, develop your Faith, you want to, you want to understand that you want your joy to be uninterrupted, then abide in the vine. Don't move, don't, don't try to cut yourself out. Abide in the vine, let Jesus abide in you, and you abide in Him, and you will realize that your joy is derived from God, it's detached from circumstances, and it's developed through faith. Amen? Matter of fact, the whole book of Philippians, every chapter, the whole entire book is all about joy. There's no book in the Bible that's about being happy, but you got a book in the Bible in Philippians that's all about joy. Chapter 1 is joy through suffering. Chapter 2 is joy through serving. Chapter 3 is joy through strengthening. Chapter 4 is joy through sharing. It's all about joy. Joy is the goal. Joy is the is the end result of the pursuit of a relationship with God that leads to intimacy. Intimacy with God is what he's interested in. That's what the Bible speaks about. That's what the Bible focuses on. Joy. And in 2020, you don't need to be pursuing happiness. That's out. That's play. That's so 1776. We need to update our declaration, not of independence. It's a declaration of dependence. A dependence on God that does not change. Remember, happiness 
is based on happenings. Joy is based upon relationship. Two of our favorite artists have two songs that I want to combine. Al Green talks about love and happiness. Frankie Beverly talks about joy and pain. I, I, I want us to know that it's great if we can get joy and happiness. Amen. Joy and happiness. And Psalm 68 and 3 says it this way, this way, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. May the righteous be happy and joyful. God wants you to be happy, but he is just not as interested in that as you being joyful. Because joyful is a worthy pursuit because the outreach comes from an intimacy with him. That's what he's really. And we will have many happy moments. We will have many high moments. And if we're in relationship with him properly, we'll handle it. We'll give him the honor. We'll give him the glory. We'll realize that happiness that we go in and out. We'll stop letting people steal our happiness because they can't steal our joy. Because our joy comes from a relationship with him. That's why it's such a myth. Go on, let nobody steal your joy. You can't steal my joy. My joy can't be stolen because it's not based upon circumstance. It's based upon a relationship with Christ that's forever. And so when you know that that's what's out in front of you, you can brush off some of this other stuff that's happening in your life. Don't worry about the happenings. Concentrate on the relationship. God in 2020 wants you to pursue him. Not circumstance, not better circumstances. It's not about a better job. It's not about a better outcome for, uh, for, for your life. It's about you pursuing him so that in him you will get his face. And when you see his face and seek it, you'll get his hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you, Father, that you've made your, your word clear to us. We have so many problems in our country today because we are pursuing happiness. I know so many folks that have confided in me about a relationship or something and they make a decision and, and they're, and was, I just want to be happy. And so they get divorced. I, I just want to be happy. So I quit this minute. I just want to be happy. I want to be happy. But the better question is, do you want to do what's right? Do you want to do what God desires that you do? Do you want to stand fast in your life and in your liberty and let God use you? Because if you just simply ask a question, will this make me happy or not? You'll ask the wrong question and you'll get the wrong result and you will have the wrong effort. Let's Father, help us to stop asking these basic wrong questions. Help us to raise and change our flawed perspective and help us to simply pursue you and your face 
and allow everything that comes with that pursuit to accrue to us in your time and in your perfect way and in your perfect will. And let us to have the joy of knowing that you know better than we do, that you know what's best. You're going to take care of it. You're going to uh, help us through it. You're going to do all that you can do. And in the end, we're going to be with you uh, eternally because we have trusted in your son and abided in him. So help us to abide and experience all the joy that the Apostle Paul says can be ours even in the midst of adverse circumstances. So that we can have a smile on our face because even though we're sorrowful, we're rejoicing. Even in all of our trouble, we want to say like the Apostle Paul, our joy has no bounds. So help it to be the case today. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Joy, joy.